Hey, it's your boy, the Big Aristotle Shack, and this is the Prime Time Podcast from the Bros Who Think Network. Bitches. What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Prime Time Podcast. As you can tell, we are excited. LSU takes down Alabama. The losing streak is over as LSU goes into Bryant-Denny Stadium, taking down the Crimson Tide, 46-41, and really a garbage-time touchdown uh, by the Crimson Tide. LSU completely dominated the Tide in this game. As always, I'm joined by Josh Samoyne to recap the game. Josh, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm doing good. Excited. You know, I mean, really almost speechless after the win last night, but it's kind of sinking in now, Charles, that today I kind of enjoyed the win, I think, more today than I did last night. Uh, man, just recapping it, you know, looking at some highlights again. What a such a big win, huh, Charles? A huge win. And, and look, if your kids are listening, turn down the volume real quick, all right? <laughs> because this is, the, this is the one time we curse, and we don't usually curse on this podcast. But after the game, they have video of Coach Ogeron in the locker room, and not that I'm a huge fan that we're seeing private moments, but he said, roll tide, what? Fuck you. And that's exactly how it felt after this game because LSU pounded Alabama. I mean, and it's not just this game. It's recruiting. And he said, we're not only winning tonight, we're winning again. We're winning in recruiting, and we're, we're just taking this away from them. It, it feels like the tide has changed. And, look, something that we talked about leading up to this game, and it's something that we'll talk about next season for seasons to come, is that Alabama, it's finally catching up to them. These juniors are leaving early. They cannot continue to have four- and five-star juniors and seniors uh, you know, sticking around. This team doesn't have a bunch of seniors, and a lot of these juniors are leaving. And, look, both teams are really talented, but where LSU won, in my opinion, on this game – it was really up front. So, Josh, just initial takeaways. Look, LSU goes into the uh, locker room at halftime. Half They're up 33-13. Uh, yeah. uh, look, I, I can't even, like, fathom that score at halftime. I, I thought we would score a lot of points. I thought Alabama would score. But to be up as big as they were, it, it just incredible. Yeah, I mean, what do you at, at halftime, Charles? I was on cloud nine. I even tweeted that, that I was on cloud nine. But you know, I, I knew an Alabama team, a, a, a Nick Saban coach team. Those guys were not going to go away. Um, I thought we actually got a little conservative there in the third quarter. Kind of went back to a little bit old school, but. Coach O and Ensminger, and they all figured out real quick, Charles, that, okay, you know, this is a Nick Saban coach team, and they still have so much talent. And, you know, they obviously made a run at it. But, yeah, I mean, overall, from start to finish, uh, LSU, they took the lead. You know, they they were the commanding team that night. Just up front on the offense and defensive line, Charles, that we talked about in the pregame pod, it's just it was it was just so finally good to see LSU – on the interior side of the ball, pretty much take control. I mean, obviously they, you know, Alabama had spots where, you know, they flashed. Obviously they're talented. But overall, as a whole, man, it was nice to see that. That gap is closed, Charles. Remember we talked about that? I mean, how far is that gap? How big is that gap? We've closed it. Closed it to the point that we actually beat these guys. So, yeah, that was that was a big takeaway for me, Charles. Just the, the, the line play on both sides was, you know, we closed it. Yeah, the gap definitely has closed. Josh, some things I want to look at, just mm-hmm. looking at what LSU did to begin this game. Look, they have the unforced error of Tua fumbling the ball. 
Um, he had the ball in a non-dominant hand. It looked like he went to switch it over, and, and the ball comes out. LSU recovers. They score a touchdown with ease. Look, Joe Burrow went three passes on that drive. I think he had 75 yards yeah. in the air. They score in the pass to Jamar Chase, who made it a great adjustment on that play. And, and then LSU forces um, Alabama to have another mistake, you know, as they fumble once again. Mm-hmm. And, and LSU goes down, they kick a field goal, they force a three and out, and then they score a touchdown. And, and look, LSU miss, gets an uh, extra point blocked, and, and it's like, even they, even though that happened, it's 16-7. The only points that Alabama has scored was on a punt return. Right. That Look, Josh, I don't even know how he got away from that. I mean, oh, yeah. that was... uh, they didn't call a face mask. I really would have rathered a face mask instead of a touchdown. But it, just incredible game plan by Dave Aranda. And even more so, the play of Ray Thornton in this game was incredible. <laughs> yeah, no, he came to play. I thought, Charles, I thought we, we uh, you know, off air, we talked about this, but we don't toot our horn too much on this show. That's just not what we do. But, man, if you go listen to that pregame pod, we really did some homework, and I watched a lot of film, and I know you took your time, and we really tried to figure out kind of what was going LSU was going to do to win this game. And we talked about the rotation right there with Brooks and Thornton and, you know, Clark and using those guys to fit each situation as they could. And we've seen that, right? We've seen Thornton. We've seen them using Brooks coming off the edge to give some pass rush. We've seen Clark in run situations. Just, man, it was it – was, they had the game plan. They had really did their homework and really figured out how can we attack this team. We talked about it on the show, Charles. We knew we weren't going to hold Alabama to six points like 2011. That's not the age of football we're in anymore. But you got to make plays. You got to get Tua off his platform. He was hurt. I mean, he wasn't the typical Tua, but you know what? That's not my problem. If you're going to put him out there on the field, we're going to come at him. And they make a move off his platform. He had some throws was just, you know, not typical Tua. We were able to make some plays, get an interception with Patrick Queen before the half. So, yeah, I thought overall, just like you mentioned, Coach Aranda, just the scheme overall, man, I got to give a lot of credit because, you know, a lot of times they take the heat. A lot of credit to that coaching staff and how much homework went in, you know, for this game. So, man, it was – and you got to see it on the field. Yeah, definitely saw it on the field. Look, some things we talked about with this defense was the pressure. Pressure was huge. I thought – a guy like Rashard Lawrence played one of his best games with the two batted down passes. Uh, that one, you know, before the fumble, that was giant uh, because, you know, Alabama scores right there. I, I think this is a different feel for this game. Uh, a guy like Tyler Shelvin was huge. Alabama huge. had some success in the first drive running the ball. Uh, Tyler Shelvin gets the stuff up the middle. Um, Want to talk about Kerry Vinson? Yes, he had a few mistakes in this game covering the best receiver in the NFL draft this year. But at the same time, I thought he was really big in other spots. I thought the tackling was incredible. Um, you didn't see that much yak in this game for Alabama. No. Um, and then the last person I want to talk about, Josh, is Caleb Montesson. Holy crap, man. Yeah, he <laughs> man, played good. Holy crap. He played you his know, best game of his career, led, in my opinion. He led the yeah. team in tackles. He led the team in tackles for loss, which he had three and a half, and a QB hurry. Yes, he didn't get the sack. But, man, he was all over the field in this game. Yeah, if you look what he's going to be, Charles, and uh, when he came out of high school, you know, he was the edge rusher. But he's put on some good size, and he's become a pretty, pretty big guy. Now you can kind of see what he's going to be, Charles. He's not, I don't think he's necessarily ever going to be that super speed rusher off the edge. But he's going to give you that guy that can almost like a strong side defensive end now. That he's going to kind of give you that full complement of, 
three down. I can play the run. I can tackle for loss. You know, he might not get the pressure, but he's there. So he's really starting to kind of figure out who he is as a player. And they're starting to use him properly. And he's coming to him. And yeah, hell, hell of a game, man. He was everywhere. Um, and he was just making plays. And that's what we expected from the five star when, when we got him. Um, he just he played lights out and we needed it. He was a big part, big part of this win. Yeah, and, and look, he talk, brought up Marcel Brooks, man. Uh, on that sack, he came from mm-hmm. the middle. Yeah, uh, You know, yep. we talked about his edge rushing previously. Something I thought Orlando did, which it's something the Saints do. Maybe take uh, took a page out of the Saints defensively, but you saw a lot of times where you had one guy down on the line and you had your pass rushers, uh, you know, staying back, uh, you know, and, and you didn't know where they were coming from. These guys were up on the line, standing yep. up. And pass rushing, I thought it, you know, in some ways gave it an advantage. You know, Alabama wasn't able to get, uh, you know, force himself into a guy that way. These guys were able to pause for a second and then take on the pass rush uh, or the pass blocking and get around some of these guys. And something else I thought was interesting, Josh, you know, we saw the pictures of uh, Apu Aika playing some outside linebacker drills during the week. And it was coverage drills. And it's like, what's going on? (laughs) <laughs> well, LSU were multiple times in this game, especially on third down, actually had their defensive linemen uh, play a little zone and brought pressure from other areas. And I thought it was big. Look, they didn't get a ton of sacks on Tua, right? But at the end of the day, what LSU did, you know, they had the one sack, but they, they pressured the hell out of him. Yep. They hit him a ton, Bunch, which yep. big. You know, he was able to get the ball out, but they hit him a ton. And, and I thought that just – this whole defensive game plan, look, Alabama was going to score theirs. Look, they put up 41 points, and, and, you know, you look at it, and, yes, uh, you know, seven of those points did come from the punt return, and you got the garbage town, tu- uh, garbage town touchdown. Take away 14 points from this game, Josh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, know, it, 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 you do that, and this is a 26 points by Alabama. You know, 46, 20, you, you beat Alabama by 20 points, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about that, you know. And, and so I, I, I look at this game, and, and there's so many things to be happy about. And, and that's just some of the, you know, just this whole defensive game plan. The, you know, whatever the analyst did. I, I know Aranda's been working on this for two weeks, probably longer. But I, I thought that even with a healthy two in this game, LSU still wins the game in the fashion they did. Yeah, no, they they came here with a plan. Healthy to, uh, you know, 80% to it, it didn't matter really. When you watch the game plan, Charles, like you said, you know, they had a plan coming into this game. They expected him to play. I really thought that even if he was 100%, I've seen, I think I've seen one or two plays in a game where I thought late in the fourth quarter where he could have ran if he was healthy and maybe ran it in for a touchdown. Um, they ended up scoring anyway on that drive. So there was one or two spots where I could probably pinpoint if he was 100%, but Overall, they had the game plan ready. You know, they expect them to be 100%. They weren't coming in there like, okay, he's going to be 80%, so we, we're going to plan for it like this. That's not what they thought. But you, like you said, you've seen, you've seen the plan of attack. Let me go back real quick, Charles, that you brought up Kerry Vincent. Because, you, know, you know, on this show as well, we, you know, we, we pounded on him a little bit. We gave him a little slack. He had to step up. I thought he played his best game as a Tiger against Auburn. He had a couple spots in this game where, you know, he gave up a couple plays, whatever. But you know what? Like you said, he's playing some first-round NFL guys. And just to be frank, right now, Kerry's not no first-round first cornerback going to the draft. But he's getting better. He's, he, it's, you know he's athletic and he's got the speed. But he's, he's finally kind of learning how to use the football skills and not necessarily the, the track athlete. But I thought, I thought at times he played, played very, very well. 
Um, you got beat a couple times, but you just got to expect that when you're playing, you know, such a talented program. You mentioned the yak yards, and I'll end with this on for the receivers that we tackled in space, like we'd said on the pregame uh, podcast, that you got to keep these guys in front of you. You got to tackle in space. They're going to get theirs. They got the garbage time deep pass to Smith. They got Stingley looking at the coach there, and you know, freshman mistake. Coach shouldn't have been doing that. He, you know, he took off on him. Things happen, but overall, LSU was able to keep these guys in front of them. Christian Fulton played probably his best game as a Tiger as well, one of his better games. I mean, he was huge in this game, and that's one thing he did well. He, he was tight, like glue on these guys, and he didn't let – we didn't really let anybody take a three-yard pass to the house, you know, for an 80-yard touchdown. So kudos to those guys. Well, well think about Christian Fulton. You know, 2018, the tweet from Cody Worsham versus Alabama, two mm-hmm. catches on five targets. Uh, yesterday, one catch on two targets. So uh, against Alabama, uh, when targeting Christian Fulton, uh, Alabama is three, three for seven, 55 yards. Zero touchdowns and two pass breakups. I mean, Christian Fulton made himself some money. A lot of guys made some money uh, in last night's game. But, yeah, you know, uh, just the cornerbacks played really well. Uh, you know, that touchdown they did have, um, I think that was to um, – maybe it was to Devonta Smith. Yeah, Devonta uh, Smith. Yep. It, it was on um, – uh, on Derek Stingley. Derek yep. Stingley was looking back. And, you know, I saw a couple of uh, sites, I think it was Bleacher Report, actually tweeted at Chad Ochocinco and said, what about this release? And, and Ochocinco was like, he was looking at the sideline. He was looking at the sideline, right. To him. And you even saw Derek Stingley, like, get mad at the coach because that's on the coach. You know, that's Alabama's first touchdown in the game. You know, and I thought Stingley played really well. I, I thought this whole team as a whole played really well. Uh, and Alabama mm-hmm. did do a lot of four wide. And they so, did? You did have to see your safeties cover. You saw your linebackers cover. And you saw some freshmen in a Cardell flock play really well in this game as well. Yeah, I was. Yeah, he flashed as well. I was, it was glad to see that. And from early on, uh, Charles, when we seen Cordell flock playing early in the season against Texas, and he's been out there quite a bit. And you know, at certain spots, he looked he looked a little freshman hesitant, you know, and he not, that's you know that's expected. But in Alabama, that's why you get them guys in early, Charles. And you're a big you you're big about letting guys play in the third and fourth quarter. You're always harping on that, and that's for this reason right here. When you put him in a game against Alabama, his eyes aren't huge. He went out there and he was just he was relaxed and he was making plays. A couple pass breakups for him as a true freshman. That's huge, man. That's that's the little things that when you put them in against Vanderbilt, when you put them in against Northwestern State, and you don't really get to see it in a box score, he was able to make those plays against Alabama because he got some reps earlier in the season. So that was big. Talking about the wide receivers, I know we'll probably cover the offense a little more. Charles, I don't know about you, but if, you know, if I just was dropped down you know, on the earth last night to watch this one football game, I left that game, in my mind, thinking the most complete wide receiver in the country is Jamar Chase. I just thought he... He looked like the best wide receiver on that field. Not taking anything away from Jerry Judy, super talented. I just thought you got to kind of see the full Jamar Chase display back shoulder, going up to catch the ball, you know, out routes, you know, curl routes. I just thought, man, he is going to be, you know, I think we all expect him to be a pretty high first-round draft pick. But, man, heck of a game by Chase. Yeah, Chase played really well. We'll get into the offense. So I want to do a couple more thoughts on the defense yep. uh, and against Alabama's offense before we – move over. Look, LSU forced Alabama to have to catch up in this game, but you, you will talk about LSU in, in terms of uh, run-pass ratio. 
but you see Alabama, you know, a couple of those runs for sacks, uh, rushing attempts for sacks. They they obviously uh, had the bobbled snap by uh, the punter, which was a rush, accounted as a rush as well. But in the mm-hmm. in the stats, you know, they threw the ball uh, for forty times. They ran the ball twenty eight times, right? And yes, they averaged four point four yards per rush, including some you know negative run uh, rush plays. And, and look, passing they averaged ten point five. If you look at the averages. Uh, LSU, you know, lost by point four in passing and, and point two in, in in rushing. It was it was even. But what I thought was interesting in, in terms of offensive play, and we talk about how fast LSU was scoring. LSU actually held the time of possession by almost ten minutes more than Alabama. Something I thought was really big in this game. Yeah, I think it was. If you look at how the the play calling was going, Charles, that I even picked that up myself. I'm like, man, we're we're kind of we. we kind of slowed it down a little bit. And I think a lot of that has to do with, it was a chess match, right? We talked about it. And I think that was on purpose. You didn't quite see the LSU we've seen against some of the, you know, the, the opponents that obviously you're not as worried about as much. They weren't, you know, that sprinting up to the line. Let's go, let's go, let's go. It was, it was hurried up, but it was a controlled hurry up, um, which was good. They were able to make, like you said, win the time of possession. And, you know, that was, that's just another key for the LSU to, uh, to win this game. So, yeah, that was nice to see. Yeah, you saw the two best offenses in college football go yep. toe-to-toe. I, I thought LSU's defense played better uh, in, in this game. I, I thought that they had some key uh, impactful drives where they forced three and outs, they for, forced turnovers. Uh, LSU won the turnover battle by one, but that's what was big was, look, you know, LSU wins a turnover battle. They forced the, un, uh, the unforced errors. Even though they're unforced, you know, just the way the game was going, you know, it's like Alabama wasn't ready to play this game. And just from the beginning of the game, LSU was always a step ahead. And I thought that was big for this game. But, Josh, any more thoughts you have just on what LSU's defense was able to do against Alabama's offense before we flipped the ball? Um, You know, look, just just overall, LSU's defense is kind of the one that's been the punching bag, right, all year. That's kind of been, you know, it's it's a lot of LSU fans that just can't get in their due sometimes. And. You know, I've even heard rumblings of, you know, Aranda's, it's getting old, his schemes don't work, you know, just, but look, I, I just, sometimes you got to be patient. And I, I, I told people this for quite some time is that they've been preparing for Alabama for a while now. And Coach O brought it up, um, you know, they've been working on Alabama since last spring, you know, and so just a, as a whole, I thought this game, the coaches, to me, they showed that we're a national championship program, that they were prepared like, like you know, the best I think I've probably ever seen this defense prepared under Coach O. I thought they were ready, you know, for all situations. couple passes got over the top. Stingley, the coach was talking to him. But, Charles, we didn't see anything that was just like, man, you put your hands on top of your head and you're like, what in the hell just happened, you know? Had a couple of those early in the season, some blown calls and just like, what no it's nobody within 30 yards just everything as a whole I thought the defense they had an answer for they were prepared for man just an overall great performance and I want to give my dues to the analysts I know some of them guys listen to the pod the analysts the the you know coach Aranda man I got to give kudos to those guys because it's not easy when you when you're going up against a, a Nick Saban team yeah, and, and look, LSU is only going to get better on defense as you have a really good recruiting class in terms of defensive linemen. Uh, you're bringing in the number one cornerback again next year who shut down his commitment. We'll talk recruiting a little bit later in the podcast. Um, but I expect this defense to just continue to get better. And look, Alabama's going to lose a lot 
from this offense. Uh, yet to be seen what that impact will have uh, next season. But LSU's offense, uh, yeah, they'll probably lose a few guys. They're obviously going to lose Joe Burrow. Uh, do they lose a guy like Justin Jefferson? I mean, the seasons he's having, I expect him to be a first or second round pick. I expect mm-hmm. him to leave. But LSU's still going to be loaded on the other side of the ball. So let's let's flop, uh, flip it around. Yep. Let's talk about LSU's offense. Uh, LSU's offense doesn't miss a beat to start this game. I thought, it, you know, let's get the negative out first. If there was one negative, I thought Joe Burrow took too many hits. I thought the offensive line gave up way too many sacks. And it seemed that, and this is actually a question we got uh, for the podcast for tonight, mm-hmm. but they talked about what Alabama was able to do with the snap count. It seemed like they were, I don't know, you know, they asked if we were tipping our pitches uh, in a way, but, um, you know, Bama's defensive ends, it, it seemed like they were getting uh, a good read on what was going on in terms of when we were snapping the ball, and they were getting really good jumps. As a guy like um, Anthony Jennings had two sacks on yeah. both sides of the tackles, and it seemed like the tackles, yes, you know, I think Sadiq probably, you know, played better than Deculus, but it, it seemed like if there was one negative, it was that Alabama's pass rush, which hasn't been too great this year and is really young, was able to get a lot of pressure on Joe in this game. Yeah, that was – yeah, if we talk about the negative first, and, you know, there wasn't, you know, much negative offense looked great last night. But at times, I, I you know, just – I had to shake my head, you know, kind of what are we doing there? Like you said, it's almost like we, we didn't even have a chance, Charles, in some of those plays. Like you said, you know, with, with Austin there, his ball was snapped and he was beat couldn't move his feet you know he couldn't get in position so yeah I don't know if they tipped off you know the like you said the uh the snap or they they what, what they were doing but that was probably what Charles maybe about a handful of plays where I just kind of shook my head and you know I just looked it just looked bad you know so yeah, yeah if we're gonna, we're gonna talk to negative that's that's probably yeah that's probably the worst part I've seen last night as well and it wasn't, you know, just the defensive linemen. Uh, it, even the cornerbacks seemed to have a jump. And maybe they were just, you know, they were they saw tendencies on tape. Probably like a film study, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. look, and you were on the road, too, so you couldn't do a silent – you know, you had to do a silent snap count. Yeah, uh, good point. You know, so defensive linemen, they're looking at Joe. They knew when the ball was coming. But, look, let's talk about this offense, all right? So, LSU is pretty much as 50-50 as you can be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they ended up rushing the ball – uh, 40 times, and they threw the ball uh, 39 times. I mean, I don't think you can get more 50-50 than that. Right, uh, right. All right, let's 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 talk about this first. Before we get into play of Joe Burrow, who I think won the Heisman last night, and, and you know, barring some in, unforeseen injury or um, just a complete collapse, I don't see anyone beating him. But let's talk about this rushing attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, Joe carried the ball 14 times, had 64 yards, and LSU had 166 yards on the ground in total. Um but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on 20 carries had 100 yards, 103 yards, average of 5.2 and three touchdowns. Man, uh, look, you look at him against Auburn, he had 187 total yards and a touchdown. And against Florida, he had 134 yards and two touchdowns. Clyde, look, you, you saw the emotional videos after. The guy that was too small, the guy that wasn't the five-star running back, but his shiftiness, you know, his ability to, you know, this offense, it, it seems like, I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, Nick Saban said this about the game. He said how he felt about it, you know, going into the game didn't change after. It was only, you know, re-solidified. Was that this offense fits its players. Yep. It's something that LSU's never had. And Clyde, this system, it fits around Clyde. 
in so many aspects, running the ball, catching the ball, and everything. I thought Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, both 22s in this game were huge. I, I thought both 22s had incredible games. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, a lot of what you said, Charles, is is perfect. I mean, it, when you look at it, and we spoke about it before this before the season even started, but, you know, we all had to see it with our own eyes. It's going to have kind of a Saints feel, you know, and, and yes, this offense, it really fits Clyde as far as you see me tweeting it out all the time, the versatility that he has. You know, I'm not going to, you know, you know me, Charles. I think we got a bet, Charles, something about Clyde or something. We could talk about that off air. But that, that, Wait, we have that well, you know, like like I said, that I told you, you got to give Clyde his chance, man. You know, people were calling for the five stars to come, but I said, give, give this guy his due. He's been solid. But look, I'm not going to. I'm not going to sit here and lie to everybody that, you know, I was a, I like Clyde. I've liked him since last year. I was, I was one of the guys that said, Hey, give him his chance. He's a starting back, but he's really elevated his game, Charles to an even higher level than really, which I thought his athletic ability and skills may, maybe wouldn't allow him to, but that's, I mean, that that's amazing. That's what, you know, most coaches want to see is these guys have pushed themselves to a, a, a new limit and his ability to catch the football out the backfield to run, you know, so tough, so low to the ground. I mean, just he he kind of has it all, like you said, for this offense. And when you look at it and you go watch the Saints today, which that's another whole topic with a terrible loss, but is that Alvin Kamara, and you see what Joe Brady did, Charles, and we've talked about this a lot. He, he came over, and that's his role. And, man, Clyde has gotten better and better each week at playing playing that role. He's the first, I think I read a stat today that he had nine catches. That's the most by a running back since like Todd Gurley, I think, in 2013 or something. So, he, like you said, the players fit this offense. Clyde fits this offense perfectly. And, man, he's hitting his stride. He's becoming one heck of a back. Before the season started, if you would have told me, you know, where's Clyde going to get drafted? What's his NFL potential? I was, you know, we, we might be talking sixth, seventh round, maybe a free agent, but uh, Charles, I was talking to scouts last night, kind of getting a feel out to the game. Everybody was excited. I mean, they're tossing second and third round out right now, you know? So that, I mean, that's, that's crazy to think what we were thinking at, and the season started, he was going to lose his job. So man, awesome for Clyde that he's, he's been able to take his game to a whole new level. Yeah, look, I, I agree with you there. I, I thought Clyde played incredible in this game. I, and it's just another testament to this coaching staff and what yep. they do with this offense. They, you know, make the system fit around their players. Um, you know, look, Ty Davis got a couple of carries in this game. I, I think that Ty Davis and, and Emory are going to be good in the future. But this was a, the game this season, this offense, it really is is really fit to Clyde. Um, even this offensive line, you know, it, it's better to have a running back like Clyde behind uh, that can get to the outside and can be really shifty. You saw it multiple mm-hmm. times. The shiftiness, that spin move is so dirty. <laughs> I mean, Wow. <laughs> and, and it's crazy because even Joe Burrow tries to do a spin move as well. Uh, he, maybe he learned a thing or two from Clyde. But I, I thought it was incredible just the way that uh, the running backs played, you know, especially Clyde in this game. And I thought Joe used his legs uh, before we get to the whole, you know, passing situation in this mm-hmm. game. Uh, talk about Joe's legs. I, I thought he used it to get out of sacks, but he also used it to pick up some big third downs or, or some big first downs. And he ran when necessary. But you also saw LSU run a couple of QBs, uh, yes. QB rushes that were designed on purpose uh, when they were three and four wide, and, and they had some success in those. And actually, late uh, the last drive of the game, uh, the one where they scored a touchdown, which I thought was big, 
they actually had Joe fake a QB fake it. and they had uh, a wide open receiver down the sideline. I, I thought that just Joe Burrow's legs in this game were a difference maker. Man, Charles, you know, for the average fan that maybe didn't notice that, Charles, I was, I was, man, up in arms, so happy because I'm watching a game with some friends and family, you know, like, all right, nice pass, you know, but Charles, when I seen him fake the run, pull back, and then throw it, you know, us junkies here that watch film and watch, I mean, that that doesn't happen. That comes, that's being set up weeks before in other games, during this game, you know what I mean? They, they had that in their hip pocket, and they ran that, and you seen the safety. He bit, and Joe just stopped and, thro- and threw it to Chase there. Man, I mean, if for the film gurus and the junkies, it don't get much better than that. Because, look, he set that up weeks back they started, you know, when they kind of started to let Joe run a little more with the QB run. Oh, man, I was, I was excited after that. And, but the, the design QB runs, you see what happens, how hard it is for a defense to defend when you have elite wide receivers, right? You spread it out. Not only that, now you got a running back who may be the best, you know, dual threat running back in America right now, the way he's playing. So now it takes another linebacker's mind knows that he's got to watch Clyde. Man, you've seen some of these QB runs. It's it's wide open, man. It's part of the Red Sea here. Joe's just Joe's taking off. I said it earlier in the season. I said I want to see him later in the season be able to, to run a little more when they need it. Because people were sending me a lot of questions say, hey, why isn't Joe running? I think I said, obviously, they don't want to get him hurt early in the season against a Northwestern State or a Vanderbilt. But I said, they're kind of saving that. They don't want to show all their cards. They're going to use some of that later in the season against Auburn and Alabama, maybe the SEC championship game. You know, it looks like we're going to go there. So, yeah, and that's pretty much what they were doing. It was saving some of that. You don't want to show all your cards in week, you know, week two and three. So, yeah, man, great. Can't say enough about Joe and his ability to be able to run. He made himself. He was already talking about getting a draft. I mean, how high he's going to draft. But the, the ability to be able to run, to be able to make athletic plays as a quarterback at the next level where you're not just a, you know, a statue back there, a Drew Bledsoe, a Dan Marino, man, that's big. And there's a lot of NFL teams that that seen that last night that said, look, man, you know, this, this guy, like a Josh Allen, he can move if he needs to. Yeah. Sorry, it, man. I, I get excited about that. I mean, I just, you know, you know, I just, it, it was just so exciting to see that LSU had a quarterback do some of that stuff. We ain't never, it's been, you know, so many years since we've had a quarterback to be able to do that. Uh, it, it was just incredible. You actually saw true aspects. You know, I, I, re-watching the game, um, the first time I watched it, I watched it at a bar. So I didn't have, uh, did not have the sound of Gary Danielson at all, which is probably oh, a good thing. Bless but you, I tell man. you, I tell I'm you what. So jealous. The second time that I watched it, I did listen to him. And, and you know, in the second quarter towards the end, they said, we haven't really seen much RPO. And it's like, no, you didn't see it from Alabama, but you sure as hell saw it again from Alabama. <gasps> It's just that Joe Burrow's not keeping the ball, you know? He's handing the ball off, and Alabama, look, you talked about it on film. Joe was taking some of these uh, these RPOs and actually running the ball. And yep. so not only do you have to stay back for the pass, but you also have to stick to your assignment because Joe can take it around. And look, he's sneaky fast. He even said it last night. We've been talking about that. I think people know what that means. But, you know, he's sneaky fast, you know? And, yep. and he has the ability to get the first down, and he's tough. He's not sliding uh, even though we wish he would. But, you know, I, I thought his running was huge in this game. Let's flip it. Uh, let's talk about his passing. All right. Look, Joe Burrow in the year, he's 
got uh, 3,189 yards. That's Let's just take a pause and say what, what the hell is going on at LSU. And 78.9%, <laughs> Josh, That's... you know, going to this game, I think he's around 80% completion under pressure. Joe actually went into this game, a game against Alabama. I think he was 12 for 12 in his first uh Yep, he was. Passes. You know, and at halftime, he had more touchdowns than incompletions. In this game, he's 31 of 39 for 393 yards. Look, he doesn't throw five touchdowns, but he, you know, he throws three. He, in my opinion, uh, before I keep going, uh, Josh, has he solidified himself as the Heisman Trophy winner? I think, you know, talking to a lot of people that I respect and I've been in the game for a while, um, you guys know I talk on his that, uh, you know, I talk to a lot of scouts, a lot of guys connected in the NFL and, um, you know, I didn't have to reach out to them, Charles. They they were reaching out to me, and a lot of the texts I was getting was, you know, hashtag Heisman. That there, there's your Heisman guy, and you know they wanted to talk about his draft. You know where he's going to draft. Um, this is a big one, right? When you re- when we start talking about the draft, Charles, and when we start talking about, you know, whatever Heisman, they always put this film on first, right? The, the scouts and and everybody put the film on against Alabama because they know that's the closest thing to an NFL team that anybody's going to play. And the same thing goes for LSU. They like to put on the LSU tape when you're playing against LSU. But his performance against a, you know, a very talented Alabama team, um, to me, he's got the Heisman. It's, it's a lock to me. I mean, there ain't, as a Justin Fields in, at Ohio State, who's having a, a hell of a season. But he just hasn't, Justin quite hasn't played the caliber of teams, and he hasn't had the moments because his team's up by 50 and 60. You got to have the moments. Um, when you think back to 2019 college football season, if you're just an average fan, a lot of what your memories are going to be is of Joe making big plays against Texas, big plays against Auburn, Alabama. That's what you're, that's what you're going to think back to for this season. So, um, like you said, to start, uh, and you know, injury, something crazy happening. I think more probably just injury. I think it is that, that you know, it'd be hard for me to see anybody else to kind of step in at this point. Yeah, uh, I think it would take an injury. You know, the crazy thing is the year that they pretty much crowned Fournette the Heisman winner. He goes into Alabama, uh, rushes for 30-something yards, and isn't even a finalist, you know, which mm-hmm. that whole that's a conversation for another yes. day. But LSU hasn't had a finalist, you know, since Tyron Matthew. And, and more importantly, they're really just no one on offense at all, you know. Uh, yes, they have Billy Cannon, but not, you know neither of us were born then. So right. it, it's crazy to think that uh, a team as good as LSU has been since the two, then, you know since ninety nine two thousand hasn't had a Heisman finalist besides a defensive player. Uh, they probably have the Heisman winner this year. And, and you know we're going to talk about recruiting later, but and I just want to bring this up now. But when you can say we had the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. We had the system that's a pro system, you know, around this guy, the RPOs. We take your talents and we put them, uh, you know, and max out your abilities. That goes really far in recruiting and getting five-star quarterbacks. Uh, something I expect LSU to continue to get is elite quarterback prospects, and it's just going to trend upwards. You, you may even see an elite quarterback jump over to this class before it's all said and done. No, I mean, it's, it's entirely possible. And that's kind of what I was getting back with the, the, the film study and, and with the scouting. Um, yeah, this 2020 class is, you know, I think probably locked up. Anything can happen. You know how recruiting is. But, yeah, if you kind of watch, Charles, if you on uh, social media and stuff, go look at some of those names that were, you know, tweeting out at LSU last night. 
Um, you know, a lot of times LSU gets a lot of attention, but you're talking, you're talking the number one quarterback in the country for this class tweeted out about Joe said, Hey man, he's, he's a hell of a player. One of the top quarterbacks for 21 and 22 tweeted out. I was like, man, I, I want to, I'd love to be in that offense. So this is, I said it long time ago, winning is the best recruiting that you can possibly have. I don't care how good of you are when you get into the living room. You know, if you're a top-notch recruiter like Coach Owich and you could win and win these big games, you can pretty much pick your pretty much pick your recruits. So you got to figure out which ones that you can fit and, and the ones that you don't want. And Coach Owich kind of mentioned that recently in his press conference. They're going to have to try to figure out how to make the numbers all work. Yeah, uh, and it's something we'll get to in recruiting. We actually have a couple yep. questions about that. But let's can, let's talk about his passing now. You know, 30, 31 of 39, uh, you know, he, he averaged 10 point one uh per pass attempt had a pretty good qbr i mean you compare him to the other heisman front runner on the other side who was 21 of 40 yes he had more uh yards he threw an an extra touchdown but he had the uh interception and the fumble um look you look at this game and and, uh joe burrow did have you know a fumble uh, interception whatever the hell it was to me it was an interception but it, it was more of just getting hit in the ball ended up in someone's hands but um i just this passing attack was incredible, uh, whether it was Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, or Terrace Marshall, and a guy like Thaddeus Moss, like, holy hell. And <laughs> the guy that has the most catches in the game, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, yep. you know? And it's crazy that you went to so many guys in this game uh, that have been there all season long and have been huge. Look, LSU's kind of gone away from throwing to other guys, but the, you don't have to when you have a three-headed monster. You have a tight end who can catch the ball. I mean, him reestablishing, you know, himself and then catching that ball with a double toe tap on the sideline. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> you know, that was... that, that's crazy, you know, to just to think about that. Um, Thaddeus with six catches for 46 yards on the game. I, I just thought that this passing attack against Alabama was methodical at the end of the day. Yeah, I think you really got to see the full display of Joe Brady the Saints concepts, how, we, you know, we talked about it. I think we, you know, they're going to let it all hang out. You know, we've, we mentioned it in years past. Oh, you know, are they saving everything for, you know, Alabama, whatever. You got to see it all in full, full display against Alabama um, last night. It was, it was, everything was out there. And to see the compliment of, like you said, the, the three wide receivers with the tight end, with, with Clyde, it was the, the concepts, the formations, the scheme, how, how it was all set up, it all, everything that they've been working on all season, Charles, um, putting some things on film, you kind of got, got to see it all come, come together uh, against Alabama. A couple of times, Charles, when they went into the trip sets there and they were able to run the dragging route across the middle and uh, when Terrence Marshall caught that touchdown, if you notice on there, I mean, he could have threw it to Moss or Terrace Marshall. They had, they, you know, they went to the guy closest to the line. I mean, just it's a compliment to Brady and that offense coming in and that scheme. You can really see how, how much a scheme, you know, helps a team. Now, you take a scheme and you put it with NFL talent, you know, you get LSU and you got the number one team in the country. Yeah, number one team uh, in the AP. We'll see how they fare in the college football rankings. I think LSU should be number one uh, because, look, they have a better resume. I'm surprised they weren't number one. We talked about that with Chris Falica, and Josh and I talked about it as well in the last pod, is that 
you know, you, you award a team like Penn State for having a better resume. Uh, Penn State losing to uh, Minnesota this this uh, past week. It'll be interesting to see where Minnesota jumps up to. But you award one team for a better resume. They put them ahead of Clemson. But then you award Ohio State for the better eye test. I mean, you, you look, you look at LSU, what they did yesterday. I don't think Ohio State stops this offense. And, and you know, you saw that LSU's defense can stop a, a, an elite offense as well. You know, they didn't have to shut them down to – you know, less than 20 points. But at the end of the day, they got the key stops. They got the turnovers. They did what they needed to do. But, Josh, you know, I, I just thought that LSU attacked the matchups they thought they could win, and they attacked them really well. Yes, we talked about uh, their Alabama's pass rush having some success against LSU. They, they did take a lot of shots on Burroughs, something I don't like to see. But LSU was able to trick Alabama in multiple ways. That touchdown to uh, Terrace Marshall – uh, you look at the play, and Thaddeus Moss and Terrace Marsh were wide open. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was the motion of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming across pre-snap, and, and then you had three guys follow Justin Jefferson on the left side, and two hey. guys were wide open. It, it's yeah. crazy, you know, how the, the design of some of these plays, it's, it's working, and it's awesome to watch. Yeah, no, look, I, and just to piggyback off that a little bit is – it helps, man, and Alabama has the same the same level of talent. Look, I mean, it helps when you got to worry about these guys. Sometimes in the past, Charles, when you're playing an LSU team, like we knew, you know, heavy run, heavy run. But when you're playing LSU, you can't lean heavy toward a chase and kind of say, you know, you know, I, I'm not got to worry so much about this other guy. He's not quite as talented. No, let's you know, let's put two guys over here in uh, in coverage. No, I mean, you just can't. You got to pick your poison, right? You know, if you're going to go ahead, like you said, and put coverage over the top of Chase and man up on him, well, that's one-on-one with Jefferson, so good luck. You know what I mean? Okay, well, I'm going to sing, single up, go man-to-man with, man-to-man with Terrence Marshall Jr. Good luck. We, we're going to throw a fade route in the corner to the six-foot-five wide receiver. So, yeah, like I said, you scheme it up with this much talent, you know, NFL size talent, athletic talent, you know, you start to see the results. And I want to say this one more time that we've been saying it, us fans – and analysts don't know anything, but we've been saying it for 10 years that we needed to update the offense. And when we did, well, look at the results. <laughs> it's the first year with the updated offense. You know, That's it, that, man. It, it's kind of crazy. You know, Cardell Thomas tweeted out, and we actually talked about this on the pod, tweeted out how he said he was not going to lose to Alabama while he was there. He brought the tweet up last night. <laughs> you know, Josh, I think we, we actually talked about this on the podcast, and, and I remember saying, look, I really don't like LSU's chances you know, coming into the season, and this is before Joe Brady, right? But you knew that the offense was changing some. It's just what Joe Brady has done to this offense, it's shown again, right? You know, Joe Brady, LSU are in contract talks right now. They want to pay him like an off, uh, a coordinator in the NFL. Uh, I think that Joe Brady may be the coordinator in waiting for the offensive job. Uh, I think that Brady's about to get a big payday. Brady's not leaving anytime soon. No, I mean, I don't from from the sources I've I've talked to around the situation, Jaws, um, some people that are in the know, I, I, they're going to they're going to back up the truck. I made a tweet last night to, you know, back up the truck and it. But I think this is a good situation for for Joe. He's still a little young. He's I think he just turned 30. This gives him the opportunity to play, at, you know, play as an OC, basically at, at an elite level. Maybe Ensminger comes back next year. We've heard rumors that he might retire. But, you know, they, they did the OC. You could say what you want, passing game coordinator. They both were kind of the OC this year. I think some of that, too, though, Charles, is, is 
Ensminger kind of turning over the reins, showing them how to be, you know, how to handle it, how to be a professional with it, how to how to game plan, how to prepare as an OC at this level. So I think that, you know, you could see Joe is we don't hear much from him, but you can just see from week to week that he's learning, you know, and between him and Ensminger, the, you, you know, it's just getting a little bit cleaner, the play calls and everything going on. Those guys are running like a well-oiled machine. So um, they're going to back up the truck, Charles. They're, they're going to try to pay him. Like I've seen, yeah, NFL uh, coordinator. And uh, yeah, I think it's, they, they're going to, they're going to pay him and he's going to stick around for a while. I'd imagine um, now two or three years down the road, Charles, if, if this continues, Obviously, uh, you know, obviously Joe Brady is going to get some attention for a, a, probably a big job somewhere as a head coach. Yeah, um, and they need to lock him up soon because, it, <laughs> you know, you, you look at some of the universities, uh, uh, Arkansas fired their coach. Uh, yeah. South Carolina is going to be keeping their coach too long after yesterday. But right. um, it, it seems that some jobs can be opening up. He's going to be a hot name, even though he doesn't have that head coaching experience. Look, he doesn't have a coordinator experience either. <laughs> his impact is well known. People know about it. Uh, some people are calling him the offensive coordinator. But look, here's something else I want to talk about. Uh, Joe Burrow was talking about, um, you know, what it meant to be trusted by his offensive guys. Uh, and he said, you know, he put the headset on and they didn't know he was, on, you know, he was listening. Uh, but as he's putting it on, they were talking about what to do on that last drive. Look, LSU, once again, could have just run the ball, you know, and, and try to get, you know, clock off. But they put the ball in Burrow's hands and they said, we trust our guy. And he said that meant a lot to him. You know, the trust is in Burrow right now. Uh, this offense completely runs through him. He understands it through and through. Uh, look, Josh, he made some NFL throws. He made some really good cornerbacks uh, not look as good as they usually do. Sure. I mean, going 31-39 against two five-star cornerbacks that are both going to play in the NFL. Uh, man, wow. Huh. Yeah, you know? yeah, and that's not just the system. The system's one thing, but uh, Ryan Clark talks about it a lot. He saw Burrow making NFL type throws this off season, and we saw that against Alabama. Just think about that. Yeah. Against Alabama, the best defense <laughs> you could, you know, one of the best defenses in terms of talent you could play. And he did this against Auburn too. Yeah, LSU didn't have the success that they usually do outside of the twenties, you know, in the red zone, but uh, very successful in this game. Uh, just final thoughts on Joe Burrow and what this offense was able to do in Tuscaloosa. I want to emphasize that in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, you know, I, you're right, Charles. I, f I forget about that myself. I, I thought about that today. That man, I f we we did that in you know in their stadium, in their home, and that's big. That's big. But you know, I mentioned this on the on the pregame pod and other shows, Charles. Real quick, is I was glad that LSU played some games, some big games before this. It showed last night with Joe Burrow and the offense, but he has already been tested. He's already been through the battles. He went, you know, the Florida game, the Auburn game, the Texas game. It just felt almost like a Drew Brees feel when he gets the ball in his hands. You're like, he can handle this moment. You know, you, you're not put your hands up in the air saying, well, maybe we'll get lucky. It's like you could tell he was going to handle this moment. He was prepared. He's been through the battles already this year. He stepped up there and he made the plays. And like you said, when he went on headset, you know, we trust our guy. I mean, what else can he do not to trust him? I mean, he's, you know, he's played lights out all season. And there's nothing really more you can say. I think Joe is going to be well on his way to being a high draft pick. Some of the NFL throws he's making, Charles, but he's making, making it consistently 
week to week is what I know a lot of the scouts like to see. He doesn't have one big splash game. Then he has a couple games, you know, he ain't quite himself, but it's week in and week out. He's making these NFL type throws, these reads, stepping up in the pocket, taking the hits, being able to run with the football, man. It, I'd be surprised, Charles, if he's not the first quarterback off the board or at least the second quarterback off the board in this draft. Yeah, top two for sure. Uh, yeah. And he wasn't even mentioned in, like, top right. five quarterbacks that would be taken this year. I, I think he, you know, in, in multiple aspects, you have to move him up to one. And, and look, I was listening to Joey Galloway. He was talking about uh, two, and he's like, oh, man, he puts the ball in the perfect spot. Yeah, but Joe Burrow anticipates. And that's not something you can teach. You just have to have that aspect. And, and look, uh, there were a couple of times it was hard to pick up on, but he audibled a couple of times. And, yes, LSU does look back to the sideline uh, and get some things, but he switched a couple of calls up, and he has that ability to do it on the fly because, look, we talked about LSU the time of possession. I thought that was huge in this game. But LSU was able to, you know, speed the tempo up. And they're not looking back to the sideline when they're doing that. They're just going. Look, the LSU threw an interception, but Joe snapped the ball fast when he noticed the 12th guy was running onto the field. Yeah, uh, he did. They're intangibles you can't teach, and Burrow has those. But, Josh, let's move on to special teams, and then we'll wrap up with recruiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just uh, and we'll wrap up the pod after that. But, uh, Josh, I thought Kate York, man, you know, everyone was talking about his struggles. And he's had them, right? But, and look, does he miss a kick? Yes, but it's a blocked kick, right? So you don't really put that on him. But he had two huge field goals. And, you know, LSU kicks a field goal. They continue to be up. Look, LSU won the game by five points. You don't have those two field goals. We might not be talking about a win. We might be talking about, can LSU still get into the playoff tonight? Yo, it's, look, I, I said it. You know, we both kind of talked about how, you know, Cage got up, got to pick his game up and stuff. And I just, you know, I got to give him, give him a lot of credit. He hit both of those kicks. Obviously, the one was blocked, and you know, it's a different situation. But I mean, he he hit those kicks with confidence too, Charles. Sometimes you see some of these younger kickers getting that, and it's just you can kind of quite tell they're off. But I mean, he stepped in there and he drilled both them kicks. He he hit them with confidence. That is big. I think now he's been in that situation. I Charles, you're probably going to see Cade now kind of take a, a sigh a deep he's done it on the, the biggest stage you can possibly basically get when it comes to sec play and i think we'll you know see him play his game um, here on out but yeah i think and for coach oh you can kind of see when he made those kick you can kind of see the blood pressure come down when he made a couple kicks also with that being said i thought that was big for lsu to show alabama that yeah maybe we didn't get in the end zone but you know we have a kicker you guys don't trust your kicker like this. You know, we didn't quite get in there, but our boy Cade is going gonna, is gonna to knock it through, and we were just chipping away. We were never just, you know, the old LSU. We were always each drive going there, getting there, getting a little something. So, you know, nice nice play by Cade. Yeah, I uh, thought he was big. Look, Alabama did have success. They got they got that uh, return, and, and, you know, give credit to, credit to uh, Brett Hudson from Tidesports.com. He said on the preview – that when LSU goes to punt the ball, don't get a beer because you might miss a touchdown. And, and look, I missed a touchdown, Josh. Because <laughs> 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 I went and got a beer when that happened. But, um, you know, I, I thought overall special teams played well. Um, and I thought Alabama special teams played well as well. But, you know, they missed an extra point. It wasn't a block. And it was something that I thought was big in terms of momentum uh, because LSU goes in uh, and Alabama has another mistake. And, and look, you know, you just take away – 
that special teams touchdown, this game margin's bigger. Uh, you take away the touchdown at the end, like we said earlier, and it's just LSU, in my opinion, I thought dominated the game. Yes, the stats are close, but I thought LSU dominated this game. And with that being said, Josh, uh, let's talk about recruiting. Let's talk about this impact going forward and then get to some questions at the end. Jean uh, said, you know, this isn't the last time, you know. I fully expect LSU uh, to have a lot more success in this rivalry going forward. I expect this to be a rivalry again. Uh, you know, I, look, this we won in Tuscaloosa next year. The game's in uh, Baton Rouge. Who's going to be the quarterback? We don't know for either team, right? But what we do know is that LSU is having recruiting success. You're starting to see some of these guys we talked about two and three years ago have impactful snaps. You're seeing some of these transfers have big-time plays. I mean, Talk about Thaddeus Moss, you know, a guy that transferred. That's recruiting in itself, Josh. Yes. And look, LSU gets another commit as Jacoby and Guillory jumps on the 2020 class. LSU's got 25 hard commits. I don't think they lose a single one because the guys that were wavering, you know, they shut their recruitment down. Yep. Uh, as you see a guy like Elias Ricks, who'd been flirting with other teams, shuts it down, and he's been all LSU. And you know what he tweeted out? He tweeted out, there's going to be a lot more hold that Tigers in the next coming days, coming weeks. Uh, and we do have some recruiting questions. But, Josh, let's just talk about recruiting as a whole is impact of this game. And not only for the 2020 class, but going forward. But let's stick to 2020 and talk about, could LSU add some new guys? And what are some of the things you're hearing on the recruiting front? Yeah, so if, if for the average fan that don't necessarily keep up with recruiting like myself or you, Charles, that you'll hear something, you'll you'll hear somebody gets processed or the attrition. Um, that just kind of means LSU maybe has got some interest from a five-star that didn't show interest six months ago. So uh, my opinion, I think LSU, you're going to see LSU pick up two or three more guys that we didn't necessarily hear in, you know, the, on the blogs or, or the, you know, the paywalls there for on the recruiting sites. Um, it's just that that happens. And when that happens, this kind of happened with Clemson a few year, years ago, Charles, when they kind of really hit their stride and you seen they had some attrition, um, they had to move some guys out of a class, you know, and, and bring in a couple five stars. So it's a good problem to have. It's not always the nicest thing to tell a, uh, a recruit that he might have, you know, go ahead and start looking elsewhere. But, you know, that's the nature of the business sometimes. But it's a good problem for LSU. Um, keep a, keep keep your eye on out there. The number one earned back in the country out of Texas, Zach Evans. He's he uh, he still isn't committed. He made a visit to LSU recently. I think that's a guy at LSU. He's he's definitely got LSU down, you know, to his last two top teams. Wouldn't surprise me, Charles, if we ended up getting him after what we showed, you know, against Alabama. I know he's really high high on LSU right now. Philip Webb, Charles, another name outside linebacker, one of the top outside linebackers in the country out of Georgia. He's another guy that it's it's trending up with all this winning and what's going on. He's another guy that LSU is really high on and would absolutely take in this class, even though we're sitting at 25. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we've been looking at maybe processing a couple guys. Um, so, yeah, that's for this 2020 class. I think that's kind of what we're looking at. You got uh, Marcus Dumerville uh, out of Florida, the offensive tackle. His teammate, Marlon Martinez, is committed. Um, I think that's kind of a, a dual thing. Uh, I think he'll keep Martinez, you know, if – Doomerville uh, looks like he's going to 
commit to LSU. So I'm naming three names right now, Charles, that I, if I you had to hold me to the fire right now, I think all three of them probably commit to LSU. And if not three, I guarantee we get two of the three. So I know that's going to get some people excited. So, yes, there's going to be some attrition there. So it's going to be one of them things you have to stay tuned. And obviously myself and you, Charles, will we'll kind of put that information out as as some guys maybe – you know, we'll look elsewhere. But as a whole, Charles, I don't know if you've seen it. I want to let the fans know that don't necessarily get on Twitter and stuff. Our players know how important recruiting is. It all starts with recruiting. So, Charles, I don't know if you caught that, but a few of the guys. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, a few of the guys went over to the recruiting section where these guys were on their Alabama visits. And some of those guys went over there, kind of pounded their chest and said, look, come to LSU. You know, we're we're here. We're here to stay. I know that it might la- might not look like much to the fans sitting aside. I don't really know why they're doing that, man, but that speaks volumes. And that's what they did. That was their little recruiting pitch. Look, come to LSU. You know, we're, we're doing some winning over here. You've seen some of the big recruits tweet out last night that, man, if you're a, a D1 athlete, uh, you know, you want to be at LSU. I think that was Marcel Brooks that tweeted at the five star out of Texas. So, and he was one of the guys that, you know, that went, went over to the crowd. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So and look, LSU recruiting is trending. It's it's at a point. It's at a fever pitch where I'm thinking back, Charles, to, you know, that 2009, 10, 11 years where it was LSU could kind of pick their their class and everybody kind of wanted to come here. We're back there. And, uh, and Josh, look, I want to say something about that, because yep. this class is a great example. Of the point I'm going to bring up is LSU is not just focused on Louisiana anymore. Nope. And look, Louisiana is a talent-rich state. I mean, look at the players in this game. Uh, you had the majority of the starters in this game. Guess what state they came from? Louisiana. And both teams had multiple starters from Louisiana yep. in this game. But this is a down year for Louisiana. Like, don't you know forget that LSU. The majority of their best players in this class. Look, the Louisiana guys are really good, but. Majority of the best players are from outside of the state, something LSU hasn't really done in the past. And it's not just the southeast area. You know, these aren't Florida guys. These aren't Alabama guys or Texas guys. These are the the DMV guys, you know, the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. These are guys from California. You know, Uh, look at Apuaika. He comes from Utah. Utah. Yeah. I mean, things like that. You have to look at this and say, look, LSU's, you know, not doing what they always do. Uh, in recruiting, they're going out and getting the best guys in the country. And right now, the battle for the number one class is on. Look, Alabama losing this game, they can no longer go into a living room and say, hey, you go to LSU, well, you're going to, uh, you know, you're going to lose to us. You know, come to Alabama, guarantee you'll beat LSU. That, that can't be said this year, you know. That can't be said going forward. You know, there's no guarantee anymore. You know, it's not a guaranteed L like it has been in the past years. Uh, this is an actual game, and this is a, this is a recruiting battle that is only going to intensify. But LSU is up there with the top three right now. Yeah. It's Clemson at one, but LSU, in terms of two four sevens rankings, it is point oh six yeah. away from being tied at one. And you get some of these four and five stars. Look, you know, these, all these kids are talented in this twenty five uh, recruiting class or twenty five man recruiting class that are committed right now. But you drop some of the guys in terms of talent that aren't these five stars uh, towards the bottom, and you replace them with a Zach Evans, uh, yeah. Marcus Dumerville, yeah. uh, you know, a, a guy you were talking about, and um, and, and Philip uh, Webb, yeah, Philip Webb, or or even. Um, you know, some of these other guys you could be getting, it's just that, look, LSU is, 
is making moves in this class. And, and I expect LSU to get a lot of those guys. Look, I, I, Josh, I wouldn't be surprised if they get all three. But I, I can guarantee you there's at least one. I do think Dumerville's coming, you know. Yep. Not that we're trying to break any news here, but I do think he's coming. <laughs> and so when he does, I mean, you can come back to us and say, look, y'all told us so. Because, you know, we're telling you now, I, Dumerville, I think, will be part of this class. So, yes, LSU's making some talks to kids. And that goes to one of our questions. If someone asks, like, what do you tell a kid in that situation? And, Josh, look, I'll, I'll answer it in my opinion. You yeah. know, you tell a kid, look, you know, look at the defensive line. LSU's got a huge defensive line class. Yes, you rotated defensive line. Yes, you rotated running back. But, you know, you look at this defensive line class and say, look, you know, we're going to be three deep at defensive end, and you're going to probably be towards the bottom of the depth chart, you know. And you probably would benefit you if you want to go to the NFL, which we think you can be an NFL player, to go somewhere where you're going to get highlighted on the defensive line. And it's no disrespect. I don't think, you know, yes, at the end of the day, it's, it's sad or, you know, it, it sucks. But it benefits a player more to go to a place as a freshman instead of having to transfer two years down the road. Yeah, no, I think you nailed it. I mean, that's pretty much what I, you know, how I would answer that is you got to look at each situation. I deal with this a lot, Charles, and you know I, I do that. I talk to a lot of parents, a lot of players, and they, you know, I try to guide them in the, in the right direction. And, yeah, how do you go in and how do you tell a kid that? But it's really you got to just look at the situation as a whole. And even though I want LSU to get every single five-star, every single big-time player, of course, that's my school, you know, that's my team. But, you know, I, I when I, I give assistance to parents a lot of times, you know, they say, oh, man, I'd like my son to play at LSU. I like him, you know, but yeah, LSU might be recruiting him. But at the end of the day, say the best thing for your for your kid is probably to go to University of Houston. Well, you know, Houston's kind of our third pick, but Houston, he will start and play and he'll get on, you know, now with TV and everything and streaming, man, two lanes on TV every every weekend. You know what I mean? So take the opportunity in your situation, like you said, and go play, get the playing time if you can, if you're going to be the number four on the depth chart at LSU. Go to University of Houston, go to Tulane and be the number one and number two, you know, and, and get some reps. So, yeah, I mean, it's not the thing you always want to hear, but, you know, that's that's just that's recruiting. And sometimes it can be there's a there's a slimy side of it, I'll say. Uh, and let's we got two more questions. We'll wrap yeah. up quick here. Uh, just yes or no. If you saw this, I didn't see it. Uh, really wasn't paying attention. I was celebrating the victory. But did you notice if Saban uh, shook hands with Oh, I, I, I'm a sh- you know, I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, you know what? I personally didn't. I don't even know if they even showed that on uh, TV. Actually, I seen where they they dumped the water on him and stuff. But the way that Coach Saban uh, spoke about LSU and you know just the program as a whole after. I mean, even if he didn't, I mean, he spoke extremely highly of LSU and and how LSU played and the team as a whole. So, yeah, I I didn't think there was any respect, I think, from either side. No, no, there can't be. I mean, I think Nick Saban understands that after eight years of of getting beat, that he understands the emotions that came along with that. He absolutely knows, especially being a head coach at LSU for, for all those years, a coach that lost to UAB. You know, a coach that felt the lows at LSU and then felt the highs. See, he completely understands the situation that LSU was in. Uh, another question. We've got two more after this, but this one kind of goes into leads into the other one. But uh, if LSU wins out and they're twelve and zero, but lose the SEC mm-hmm. championship, do you still see them making uh, the college football playoff? That's a good question. You know what? I thought about that because I've seen the question come in. I do. I think if LSU loses the SEC championship. And now let me let me put this out there that 
it's a good hard fought game. LSU loses in the last couple minutes on a, you know, a touchdown or a field goal. I think there's no way you can tell me if LSU loses the SEC championship game on a close battle to Georgia um, or whoever that is, that they're not one of the best teams in the country. I'd, I'd, I'd call you crazy, you know? So yes, I think LSU in a close one in the SEC championship game, um, nothing crazy happens. Yeah, I think LSU would still get in the playoffs. That's my opinion. Yeah, look, I think it depends on how they lose. I do, it depends right. if, if George is undefeated uh, throughout the rest of the season. Like they already have that one loss, uh, which to me looks kind of bad. But, you know, they play in Auburn. You know, what if they lose to Auburn uh, going forward? You know, that that's a question to bring up. But, you know, you, you look at it and you teams you expect to win out. Look, I fully expect Ohio State to win out. But let's say they lose that brings into the conversation of, you know, they lose to a Penn State or Michigan. It's like, well, who has a better resume? You know, at the end of the day, LSU would have the better resume um, over an Ohio, a one-loss Ohio State team or even a one-loss Penn State team. Clemson's probably not going to lose. So then the question is, who else makes it in? You know, maybe that SEC champion, if they lose, uh, you would like to think that a Pac-12 team uh, would probably make it. You want you want whoever to win the Pac-12 uh, to win it with only one loss. You have to pull for the Pac-12 if you're if you're pulling for our next question to not happen again, which is does Alabama make it into the playoff? You know, with the one loss Alabama, do you see them making it into the playoff? And, and that's why I'm saying pull for the Pac-12 because a one loss Pac-12 team has a Pac-12 conference champion. Uh, I think has a better resume. I don't think they want to put Alabama in. You look at their resume. Uh, Alabama will probably only have one ranked win, uh, especially if if Auburn uh, continues to lose uh, with you know some tough games coming up. Auburn will probably be you know still ranked as an eight and four team, but eight and four looks like a possible record. And so they'll have two team two wins against teams that were ranked in A and M and Auburn, but no real quality wins, no top ten victories. So. Uh, I, I see it being hard for Alabama to make it in. Yes, they lost to LSU. I don't expect to see a huge fall, but some of these teams have better uh, opponents going forward. Look, o- Oklahoma, if they went out, they're going to play a Baylor team. You know, that's going to be a better win on the record, uh, an undefeated Baylor, th- than what Alabama has. You know, same with the Pac-12. And, you know, you look at it, you have Pac-12, maybe in Oklahoma, a Clemson, and Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, I think you have multiple teams that have a better case on resume, because that's what this is all about, to make it into the playoff ahead of Alabama. Yeah, no, I think you nailed it there, Charles, that if you're looking at it as a whole for this year on the resume, you know, I think I don't think Alabama is going to get in with with one loss. If we're kind of sitting the way we are now and we're kind of looking at it as a whole, um, I think it's tough. It's going to be tough for them to get in. It just is. Um, I was willing to kind of give them Hey, it's it's Alabama. You know, what I mean, they've been dominant. They've been there, you know, right there till the end, the last, you know, last 10 years or whatever it is. But, you know, last three or four years, Alabama's been there. So I was willing to say, you know, their resume is weak. They haven't really played anybody. But now they took a loss to LSU at home. LSU scored 46 points. They dropped close, almost 600 yards of offense on that defense. Now you showed me that, you know what, you got the weak resume. And LSU just kind of embarrassed you there on the offense side of the ball. I just think it's they're going to need help to get in. I just, you know, I'd rather see the Pac-12 team get in. I don't want to set that precedent, y'all. I, I tweeted this last week. I mean, we got the committee for that reason. Let's put the best four teams in there. But when you say the best four teams, don't set a precedent. I, I, where I, I, Alabama belongs to be if you're going to do best four. Because well, they're a better team than 
than a Pac-12 or even a Big 12. But I think that you have to talk about resume when you talk about the best teams, not just the eye test. It has to be both. No, no, no. That's that's what I'm getting at is I say best for, look, if you're going to line up every team in a Pac-12 at Alabama, they're going to win. And that's, I, I guess I'm not, you know, uh, explaining myself right. But with the resume and the the best team that's played this season, I just think it's right, you know, and the same goes if LSU was, had, had lost. You know what I mean? I just think it's right that we can't set that precedent that Alabama can play a high, you know, seven high schools and still be right there at the end. That's just my two cents on it. And I, you know, I, I just hate to see it happen again because it just kind of puts a bad taste in my mouth every time that they, they, you've seen it. They come out four, right? Look, look what happened. They, they were ranked third. LSU beats them at home, scores 46 on them, drops 550 yards on them, and they drop back one, Charles, in the AP. And they drop back one slot. You mean to tell me that LSU's going to drop drop one slot if they lost last night? I don't believe it. You know, so, you know, that's just my opinion. Yeah, right now, if Alabama makes it, it's because of the nameplate. It's not it is, of, right. You know, but, you know, this season's shaping up to be one of those seasons, though, where, you know, that Penn State loss hurts Penn State a lot. You it know, does. I would, I would like to it see does. Penn State beat Ohio State just because then, you know, I, I say Penn State has a better argument over Alabama making it in. Uh, and look, even like, a you know, a Minnesota team wins out, doesn't lose bad to Ohio State. They have an argument as well. Um, but look, it, Josh, I'm a huge Pac-12 fan right now. I'm a huge Oklahoma fan. I'm a fan of any team that's undefeated right now staying undefeated. Uh, and if they lose to another undefeated team and being a close game and, and the better resume loses just because um, we don't want to see Alabama again. I, I, we don't want 2011 to happen again, uh, but you feel confident in your chances if it does. Um, but Josh, look, that wraps it up. I mean, uh, an impressive win. Uh, you know, can't say enough about the job that this LSU staff and team did uh, going into Tuscaloosa, taking on, uh, the line and and beating the line, uh, yeah. Nick Saban, yeah. and, and you know can't be more excited. The recruiting impact you'll see it all week. LSU's going to go into Ole Miss. We'll be previewing that game later on this week. Um, but really, once again, just really excited. Uh, man, it's a magical ride. It's a magical season. I can't wait to see the finish. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it was a hell of a game. It's you know it's a hell of a time to be an, an LSU fan. Um, enjoy it. You know, this is, you know, it doesn't always come around like this. So I tell all the fans listening in and tuning in, enjoy it. It's, it's, this is a time. It's great to be a tiger. Um, I'm, I'm, I want to kind of see Charles, how the, how we come out against Ole Miss. Um, granted, we know Ole Miss is at a completely different spot right now than LSU is, but I think this game coming up and we'll talk much more about it in the Ole Miss game. This is kind of when I think, Oh, is at his best to me. Always at his best when you're coming off such an emotional situation that it's it's man we got so hyped up and then you go into a situation where it's going to kind of drop off. I think O does such a good job of not letting the guys get not letting the team get too low. You know we're human. There's going to be a drop off. It's Ole Miss and ain't Alabama. We get it, but he's going to have his guys ready to play. I just think that's to me if you ask one thing me about Coach O and what he does best besides recruiting. I think it's that having his guys ready and prepared to play, you know, week in and week out. And even though the team might not necessarily be a Florida or an Alabama. Yeah, but, it, you know, an exciting time for LSU. Yep. Uh, man, we, we are living it. We are excited here. But uh, that about wraps it up. Uh, LSU goes into Tuscaloosa, takes down the Crimson Tide by a score of 46 to 41. Uh, should be the number one of college football rankings this week. But for Josh Lemoyne, my name is Charles Reese. Uh, Y'all have a great weekend as always. God bless.
que chama de 